On May 15, 2022, the black community of St. Louis, Missouri gathered downtown to celebrate the Annie Malone May Day Parade. Annie Malone was one of the first black women to become a millionaire in the United States. The day after the parade, Public Safety Director Dan Isom held a press conference. He said that groups of young people downtown had caused traffic and safety disruptions with electric scooters. The city decided to impose a 7 p.m. curfew on e-scooters in the downtown area. Then, just a few weeks later, St. Louis banned e-scooters altogether in two downtown neighborhoods, including the area near the famous Gateway Arch Monument. The uh, scooters have become an issue that we do not have the resources to monitor in such a way we can keep young people from being engaged in dangerous behavior. So those will be shut off until further notice. The ban was in response to a shooting where two young women were injured. But the bullets were fired from a car, not an e-scooter. So why were e-scooters banned? And how did we get here? Luckily, there were no fatalities in this incident, but that does not take away from the dangerous and serious issue of unsupervised kids roaming the streets downtown. Restricting micromobility options such as e-scooters is just one way that Black Americans have had their mobility arrested. Today, we're questioning the decision to ban e-scooters in downtown St. Louis and breaking down how these decisions harm people of color and people relying on alternative modes of transportation. I am Charles T. Brown, and this is Arrested Mobility. Thanks for joining us. Micromobility options like e-scooters and shared bikes can be very valuable in communities with subpar public transit access and low-car ownership. Riding an e-scooter to or from a bus station is an affordable way to make commuting faster and easier. It can also be safer to take micromobility in some situations. In June, journalist and pedestrian rights advocate Kia Wilson wrote an article about what happened in St. Louis. My name is Kia Wilson. I am senior editor at Streets Blog USA. Hi, Kia. Welcome to Arrested Mobility. You wrote about the e-scooter ban in St. Louis. Can you give us a brief summary and explain why you decided to write about it? Yeah, so it's a long and complicated story, but I think the short version basically is that St. Louis has always had a really complicated relationship with not just the micromobility industry, but with alternative ways of getting around kind of period. That kind of came to a head this past summer when actually, I believe for the second time, St. Louis made the really controversial decision to ban e-scooters in the downtown area, specifically this little chunk of the city right near the arch where a lot of our tourist activity is happening, where a lot of our 
like high volume uh, office buildings are located. And it's also bordering some of the areas of the city with the least access to private automobiles, right? So we had a news article come out from Fox 2 with the very interesting headline, electric scooters banned in downtown St. Louis after weekend violence. And that weekend violence was a drive-by shooting in an automobile. A scooter wasn't involved. And basically, the justification that the city gave publicly and that residents talked to journalists about was that scooters are, quote-unquote, magnets for kids, even though scooters can't really technically be rented by people under 18. They're photo-verified and all that kind of good stuff. And there are some things that I perceive to be kind of dog whistly in the way that that was reported. I thought that seemed like a pretty extreme measure to take away an entire mode of transportation because a form of that vehicle might have been related in some way. There was some like insinuation that scooters were being used possibly as a getaway vehicle. Um, I don't even know where that's coming from because, again, I've contacted the city many times and I've never seen that verified. So I decided I wanted to dig into it a little bit for Streets Blog, and it opened up a broader conversation about scooter bans, scooter curfews, scooter regulation nationally. This seems to be a trend. Let's rewind a little bit. Before the ban, there was the Annie Malone Day Parade and the 7 p.m. curfew on e-scooters. So, aside from the drive-by shooting, do you think there's a reason why the parade was the impetus for the first restrictions we saw? I asked myself that when I was writing this story a lot because, I mean, just anecdotally, just as a St. Louis resident, I've been to a lot of parades throughout the St. Louis area that were not historically African-American parades uh, that had scooters at them. People took the scooter to go to the parade. It's a great way to avoid traffic on the way. You know, we actually talk a lot about how scooters are a fantastic form factor for getting for those large events so we don't have to provide like a giant parking crater for everybody to go there. And I have not seen this level of attention paid to any other more, frankly, white-focused event throughout the St. Louis area. You know, we just had the balloon glow in St. Louis in Forest Park, where we light up these gorgeous hot air balloons and families from all over the country come and people rode their scooters into the park. And that was not treated as some major disruption or threat to public safety. I didn't attend the Annie Malone Day Parade. Maybe there were individual people who were behaving in ways that were dangerous to pedestrians there. And that's a problem. We need to talk about it. I would prefer ideally through systems-based technology approaches, like saying, hey, you can't ride a scooter Physically, it's not going to turn on on these days at this time. That's something that a private company can do and has done in other cities. But those individual problems are not the way that everybody rides. There are plenty, plenty, plenty of people who ride scooters safely all the time. In fact, I've heard some really interesting stats from Lyme and Bird that St. Louis is one of the safest cities for scooter riders. They have an incredibly low percentage of rides that report injuries. Lime is one of the biggest micromobility vendors in the world. Let's hear a perspective from Lee Foley, Lime's Director of Government Relations. Lee has worked with the City of St. Louis on implementing e-scooters in a safe and equitable way. My name is Lee Foley. I am the Director of Government and Community Relations for the Midwest for Lime, and I have a led our government and community relations in the city of St. Louis uh, and worked with the city directly to ensure that uh, scooter safety is a top priority, as it always is for Lyme. Thanks, Lee. 
What are your thoughts on the e-scooter ban in downtown St. Louis? I'm incredibly disappointed uh, by the city's decision to uh, ban scooters downtown. And what preceded this was a curfew that the city implemented, a 7 p.m. curfew earlier this year that prevented riders from using the the devices uh, when they needed them most. What we've seen uh, as an operator, what Lime has seen, uh, is that the vast majority of our trips begin in the middle of the workday and peaks around rush hour. And a large concentration of our trips are in downtown and downtown west. And so when you implement a curfew that prevents people from being able to take a safe, affordable, sustainable mode like Lime Scooters home from work downtown or prevent them from using them at all, we know that that has a negative impact on not only our ridership, but the city's health by further clogging up the city's streets and, uh, and, and limiting the ways that people are able to get around the city. What responsibility does Lyme have regarding young people using your e-scooters? We have a responsibility to our riders and to the cities uh, that we partner with to ensure that underage riders are not using our devices. Lyme devices are for people who are over the age of 18. And we have the technology in place. We have had the technology in place in St. Louis to prevent just that. The difficulty comes into play when there's more than one operator. When there is another operator that chooses to skirt the rules and who does not have restrictions in place, it reflects negatively on the entire industry, or in this case, in a market for St. Louis. From Lyme's perspective, we take our responsibility seriously to ensure that underage riding is not happening, and that we're doing everything that we can to make sure that the city is safe in the presence of scooters, in the presence of automobile traffic, in the presence of youth. How might the e-scooter ban disproportionately affect people of color in St. Louis? What we've seen in many of the cities in which we serve is the recovery is the top priority for cities. And and that is not untrue for the city of St. Louis, where there are many stadiums, where there is the casino, even employees at Gateway Arch are people who do not necessarily live downtown or downtown west. The way that we are able to see trip starts and trip ends, we know uh, that many of these trips start downtown and they end in other neighborhoods, particularly on the north side. And if we were to use geography as a, a marker for demographics within the city, and it, again, it's true based off of the history of the city, then we know that there are many black and brown residents who are using these devices to get back to neighborhoods that are predominantly black and brown. And so if you were to imagine someone who perhaps took an early bus, uh, got on the Metro bus and took it uh, from from their neighborhood on the north side and and took the bus downtown to, uh, say, Bush Stadium, and they worked their shift, and now it's the evening time, perhaps the bus is a little bit less reliable. They see an e-scooter, and they believe it to be the safest, quickest, most efficient way to get home. And that person is able then to leave downtown on city streets and return back to their own neighborhood and prepare for the next day. That's how micromobility fits and particularly fits in within working class people who require numerous means of transportation when a car is not the first thing on their mind because they may not own one. And so when, again, when you remove that option, when you begin to limit mobility options, you're directly affecting working class people. It's not just 
the stereotype of tech bros who use our devices. Uh, these are people who live in the city's neighborhoods who require them to get from point A to point B, and that's usually from home to work or from work to home. The technology that e-scooter companies use is pretty advanced. Lime has the power to turn off or control the speed of their vehicles in certain areas. When you set geographic boundaries and restrict certain areas, we call that geofencing. According to GPS data from Lime, e-scooters in St. Louis are frequently used for trips going to and from the northern neighborhoods of the city. These also happen to be lower income neighborhoods with larger black and brown populations. You might have heard of the Del Mar Divide. Here is Kia Wilson again to explain. So a thing that St. Louis is known for nationally is called the Del Mar Divide. Del Mar Avenue is a street that runs pretty much all the way across the entire width of St. Louis, east to west. And when you get above north of Del Mar, you have neighborhoods that are overwhelmingly African-American, overwhelmingly lower income, have far, far less access to private automobiles and to high quality transit. When you get south of that, Basically, the further south you go, the more uniformly white it gets, generally speaking. So when you think about that in the context of a mobility landscape, as you look at traffic violence trends throughout the St. Louis region, the pedestrian fatalities, bicyclist fatalities are more concentrated per capita on the north side. Um, almost all of our high crash corridors are happening in those north side neighborhoods where we're building roads that are incredibly wide, major arterials signed for 35 miles an hour or more often with speeds that are a lot faster than that. And you're also seeing a lot of people who rely on those roads to get to work and they're getting there on foot a lot of the time. It shouldn't surprise us that we're going to have people want to enjoy other modes of transportation when their mobility is that constrained by geography, by finances, and also by the fact that they frankly are being surveilled by police a lot of the time in those communities. Many people who live north of the Del Mar Divide don't own a car but still need to get downtown to work. Banning micromobility in those downtown neighborhoods just makes their commute more difficult and potentially dangerous. Malik Lindale is a young man living in the northern part of the St. Louis metropolitan area. He's an outspoken supporter of alternative transportation and with good reason. St. Louis actually has some of the highest traffic and pedestrian fatality rates in the country. I asked him for his thoughts on the e-scooter ban downtown. I'm Malik Lindell. I am currently employed by the University of Missouri-St. Louis. In the past summer, I've worked for a Red Circle. I was disappointed to see the ban, mostly because of the increase in car violence that we've seen. And there was no attempt to make like a ban on cars um, or to have car free zones, even though those were actually killing people. They're taking away the little bit of the few alternatives that exist in the city instead of uh, trying to make them more accessible. How do you feel this ban has? or might affect people of color, low-income people, or people without cars? I think it'll just make it 
just that much harder for people to have ideal travel. I mean, some people might be able to walk the extra distance, but that can be tiring. And a lot of areas already aren't really walkable in the region. Some communities can't really access grocery stores and some communities can't access medical care. And with the e-scooters, a lot of them aren't even present in those communities to begin with. Like I know they were they were banned in downtown uh, and downtown West, but they're already not present in the communities that would also probably benefit them, like in North St. Louis City. I say in North uh, St. Louis County, um, which has many of the same problems as North St. Louis City. And I know a lot of the issues I see include like not having access to a local grocery store. I have to go to two different cities to get to a save a lot. I can't get to it by simply walking. Ideally, I'd have to ride a car or wait for a bus. And so not having access to healthy food that I can just get to by walking, that's obviously stressful because I'd like to be able to eat healthfully. I know a lot of other people in my community would like to be able to eat healthfully. So I feel like not being able to access healthy foods, not being able to go to get medical care, not being able to have a lot of jobs locally, because I'm fortunate that I have a job locally, but there's really not a lot of options in the region. So I would say that like regarding the psyche, it could be sort of stressful and it could feel like you're trapped sometimes because like you're not able to actually do things in your own community. And so it can be very limiting. I'm a commuter myself. I walk to places. I'll take the bus. I'll take the train. But I'm not privileged enough to be able to just drive anywhere or to afford to have a car. So for me, it's important that I'm able to be safe without owning a car. I feel like you shouldn't have to own a car to have the basic human needs. St. Louis has this problem of sort of a taking a problem that kind of doesn't really exist and blaming it on some random piece of transportation, whether it's blaming the metro for bringing violence to other communities. I remember I was listening to a podcast where they were discussing a vote that happened in St. Charles, which is the county next door to St. Louis County. And they mentioned how they voted against the metro coming into their county because supposedly it would keep out a certain demographic of people, that is, Black people. And so a lot of this pushback against various forms of transit ultimately come down to just policing Black people. And St. Louis has this tendency to push against these alternative transportation modes because of that. One suburb in St. Louis County is Ferguson, where Mike Brown was killed by police in 2014. 
Following protests and unrest in the wake of his shooting, Ferguson and St. Louis launched a collaborative project called Equity Indicators. The goal was to make progress towards racial equity in St. Louis police, public safety, and health departments, among others. The city brought in Christina Garmendia to help with the plan. She has extensive knowledge of how local governments in the county operate. My name is Christina Garmendia, and I'm principal at the research consulting firm Urban Rx. What is your reaction to the e-scooter ban downtown? I think it was really a signal that we aren't prepared to enforce against reckless driving. We're trying to control people who have less less rights, you know, young people. People who are using scooters are not the enemy here. Yeah, so I do think it was a knee-jerk response and... One of the challenges we have in St. Louis is there is conflict between pedestrian scooters and cars in downtown St. Louis because we don't have great roads. (laughs) We don't have consistent bike lanes. We don't have great sidewalks. But yeah, you know, when there's conflict between people on scooters and pedestrians and cars, it's really more of an indicator of the lack of investment we've had in our infrastructure than having to do with individuals themselves. What do you think the city should have done instead of banning e-scooters in those neighborhoods? I would have preferred them to have invested in young people and invested in infrastructure for young people. We have more funds than ever before. So St. Louis has a billion dollar budget and we're receiving $500 million from the federal government for the ARPA funds, the pandemic response. And we really need to be investing more in the social lives of our young people. They need to be socialized. (laughs) They need community. And if you see bad behavior out in the public sphere, it's a sign that you should be putting more love into people. A billion dollars is a lot of money. What else should St. Louis invest in to keep people safe? We've heard from our own police department that they're not succeeding in policing bad drivers. So we need to be building infrastructure that forces (laughs) better driving. Um, And, you know, we don't have great crosswalks in the city. It's not very pedestrian friendly. And the kind of city that I think we want to live in is one where there's community on the street. There's people all around, people who walk to and from work, who walk for pleasure, God forbid. And our infrastructure isn't built for them. It's built for people to pass through downtown, people who work and then live out in the county, in the burbs, in their mansions, you know, and it's not for people that live here. So I think First and foremost, we need to invest in our infrastructure for the people that live here. It is incredibly important that our communities work to invest in young people and invest in safer infrastructure for people without cars. But for Kia Wilson, combating harmful media narratives about micromobility is another important step to keeping transportation in St. Louis accessible. 
In terms of solution, my mantra in all the work that I do that I've learned from the many advocates I cover is that we always need to think about this stuff structurally. Always, always, always. So if the problem we're trying to address is scooters on sidewalks, geofence the sidewalks, you know. Build a lane, whether it's a pop-up bike lane or mobility lane, as we should probably call them in the context of a scooter story, or a permanent protected concrete and Jersey barrier kind of lane. We need to give people a place to ride. I also think that we need to understand how this issue connects to the most critical issues in people's lives. Mobility touches everything, everything, everything. We don't know in St. Louis exactly how this impacted people, but we do know from other cities like Atlanta that has done scooter curfews, at least, that there have been some really passionate op-eds from women in the community, for instance, who said, hey, uh, I don't really love going home from the bus stop after dark on foot. I would like to be on a scooter at that point. And this is not a neutral thing. You you cut off not just a mode of travel I rely on, but a mode of travel that I rely on to feel safe and to feel welcome. And those sort of second order effects that are demographic specific, that are invisibilized, that we don't put together on surveys, I think we need to start thinking about either through quantitative data or through qualitative data, just talking to people. It's not just about scooters, right? It's about giving people dignified access to their places however they want to get around them. When you deny someone access to mobility, whether that is physically taking away their primary mode of transportation, whether that is removing a a mode of travel that they use just to enjoy themselves, that makes their life very different. And that can impact them not just economically and socially, but also their happiness, their sense of humanity, their sense of belonging and the sense that the city belongs to them, which it does at the end of the day, you know, the near north side, that's the downtown. There's, yeah, there's a very, very steep drop off in terms of tall skyscrapers between what we call the downtown in St. Louis and what we call Jeff Vanderloo and the Ville and neighborhoods like that. But it's still the same area. We're we're a small city. We're a city of 300,000 people. And I believe that we should all have safe, dignified, joyful access to every inch of it that we want to be able to access. St. Louis and Atlanta aren't the only large American cities that are restricting micromobility options. Just this year, Detroit, Memphis, and Cincinnati have imposed curfews on e-scooters. These also happen to be highly segregated cities with sizable black populations. If e-scooter bans continue in this fashion, it won't be tech pros who suffer. For black pedestrians, commuters, students, and everyday folks trying to be healthy, safe, and happy, this is arrested mobility in action. I want to thank my guests, Kia Wilson, Lee Foley, Malik Lindell, and Christina Garmendia. I appreciate your expertise and your time. For Arrested Mobility, I am Charles T. Brown. I encourage you to follow me on social media at ctbrown1911 on Twitter or using hashtag Arrested Mobility. Visit our website and sign up for our email newsletter at arrestedmobility.com. 
You can follow Arrested Mobility on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. This podcast is a production of Equitable Cities with support from Puddle Creative. I also want to acknowledge the tragedy that took place this week in St. Louis at the Central Visual and Performing Arts High School. My heart goes out to the victims, the families, and the community at large.